Okay, let's bring this meeting to order. All right, thank you, commissioners. Welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable, cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at www.qac.org live or on our television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment. And citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be read during the present public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Present public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes may be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission Vice President Phil Dumanel. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If we could please take a moment of silence to honor our troops that are serving our country abroad. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, we just held a closed section under section 3-305B3 of the general provision article for a discussion on boards and commissions. And I do believe we made uh, reach some consensus on several boards and commissions. So if you, we can run through those now. Uh, first, we had the Bay Bridge Advisory Group, and we had two appointments there. Could I get a motion? I move to reappoint uh, Commissioner Jim Moran and Commissioner Steve Wilson to the Bay Bridge Advisory Commission. I'll second that. Any discussion? All in favor? Uh, aye. <laughs> Did you say yes? I said aye. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Aye, aye. All in favor? Aye, aye. So moved. Right. Thank you, commissioners. Next, we have the Board of Licensed Commissioners, the Liquor Board. We had two vacancies there. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to reappoint, oh, wait a minute, uh, Tom Berry and appoint, what's the gentleman's name? I don't have it in front Charles of me. Charles Ferrar. Thank you. Charles Ferrar to a four-year term on, it's not four, I thought it was five years. Four-year term? Four-year term. Four-year term on the Liquor Board to begin July 1, 2021 and end June 30, 2025. Second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. So moved. All right. Thank you, Chris. But wait, I want to mention that real quick, that we have our president, um, Commission President Chris Corcorino is actually zooming in on our meeting. So he's here with us and we'll be voting on the um, action items. The action items this evening. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Dumino. 
All right, next we have the Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board. We have one vacancy and one applicant there. So we want to mention real quick that, um, yeah. let's make the motion. Uh, I move to, to uh, appoint Gene Ransom as the chair of the Liquor Board for a term of one year. Can I get a second? Second. All right, any discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. So moved. <laughs> All right, thank you, commissioners. Okay, next we have the Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board. I'll entertain a motion. I move to appoint Scott McGlashan to a five-year term on the Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board to begin July 1, 2021 and end June 30, 2026. Second. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Any discussion or comments on it? All right, all in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Next, we have the Spending Affordability Committee appointment. I, I move to reappoint Joe Zimmerman to a two-year term on the Spending Affordability Committee to begin immediately and end September 30th, 2023. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion or comment on that? All right, I'll take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. And uh, lastly, we had... Uh, Two reappointments recommended from the uh, Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board. Can I get a motion on those two, please? So I move to. Someone to create one? Excuse me? You're going to create it? No, it's here. I move to reappoint William Bailey and Beverly Churchill to represent Queen Anne's County for a three year term on the Upper Shore Workforce Investment Board to expire June 30, 2024. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any comments? Discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? <laughs> Aye. So moved. There we go. All right, thank you, commissioners. That's all we had for boards and commissions this evening. That brings us to uh, the approval of this evening's agenda. Uh, today's agenda for our meeting, uh, June 22nd, along with the regular minutes from your June 8th meeting, uh, have been circulated for review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? Motion to approve as submitted. Second. Uh, motion and a second. Any discussion, comments? All in favor, aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, thank you, commissioners. That brings us to our first uh, press and public comment section. So thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the microphone. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. And we ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name calling when offering any critique. No one signed up. Nobody signed up, okay. All right, then. Mm. We have um, a Zoom. Is there anybody? Uh, no virtual for this. For no the public hearings emails. later, we do. Okay. Beauty. Okay. Moving we on. can move on to new business if that's uh, okay, commissioners. All right. Tab three. So if you want to go to tab number three, we have uh, 13 action items this evening. And uh, the first two items, I believe, are for... Uh, follow up from our last meeting and this is uh, the first one we have is for the uh, 
Um, phase one, South Kent Island rendering of the special benefit assessment for phase one, Kent Island Estates and Roman Coke. We had a public hearing two weeks ago and Mr. Alan Quimby, our director of public works is here. Uh, I we don't need to convene this as sanitary, do we? Not for this. Not for this. This Correct. is Kent Commissioner. Yeah. You want the, you want the motion for it? Sure, we can do a okay. motion, sure. I'll do a motion. I move that we levy a benefit assessment in the amount of $27,920 on all Southern Kent Island Phase two vacant properties without a valid state-approved percolation test and $2,320 on all Southern Kent Island Phase two vacant properties with a valid state-approved percolation test. With an effective billing date of July 1, 2021, both assessments are payable over 20 years at 1% interest. So actually, that was uh, action item number two, but that's okay, Commissioner. We can we can do them in reverse order. We have it as one. We have it as one. We have it as one. Well, that was the first one. Oh, I see. Excuse Alan, me. you don't mind it as one, do you? It's one of my books, sir. There you go. Okay. I will second that. So we have yeah. a motion and we have a second. Mm -hmm. Any further discussion or comments? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. I'm, I'm assuming real quick, to, we didn't receive any uh, additional comments no additional weeks. comments okay. Okay. for either hearing. Just, okay. Now I'll go to number two. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the motion is, I move that we levy a benefit assessment in the amount of $15,220, payable over 20 years at 1% interest on all Southern Kent Island Phase 1 properties that were improved on or before May 27th, 2014, with an effective billing date of July 1. 2021 and that one also should have one percent mm -hmm. and that one also is uh, payable at uh 20 years 1%. 20 years at one percent interest thank you uh jack seconded so we have a motion we have a second any discussion or comments all in favor aye 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 opposed so moved thank you commissioners all right thank you commissioners thank you mr quimby all right, uh, moving along, uh, item three on page three is um, a member from Director Scott Haas, and this is, uh, he has a grant for some additional new furniture for the backup 911 center in the uh, basement of the courthouse. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to authorize Director of Department of Emergency Services to execute a contract with Watson Consoles, build and install five 911 workstations off the H GAC contract utilizing Maryland 911 board funding totaling $87,087.69. So called numbers board, correct? We have a motion and a second. Any questions for Scott? You, you want to give us, let the public yeah. know what, what it is? I don't think a lot of people know that we have a backup center. If you want to just give a little yeah. two minute. So we're, we're, we currently don't have a backup center and that's part of our problem. So about eight months ago when some of the CARES funding came in, we could utilize the CARES fund to initiate a backup center. So we, we purchased during that time frame the phone system component of it. Uh, we actually had everything that we needed in stock to do the radio side of it with the exception of some minor work that Motorola needed to do to the old courthouse across the street. Uh, this is another phase of this, so we have no furniture to put the equipment to the, to the new 911 center. So we sought 
and got approval to get a grant through the numbers board to purchase the furniture that is identical to the new furniture at the current 911 center. So when the employees, if we have to switch from one center to the other, they'll be going into an identical work atmosphere that they have between the two places. Excellent. So the only difference is the renovations at our current 911 center have 10 positions when we move back into the building and our backup center will have five positions. Are you in the, you take it, is the basement? Where, where are you at in the backup? So the backup center is uh, going to be in the basement of the old courthouse mm -hmm. and it's about one third or probably a little less than one third of the building basement, the basement floor area um, so we've got one full room dedicated just for the backup center and there will be a server room inside of there and i believe the county it department is also going to put some equipment in there to do some backup work off of the county network and when will that be operational if you needed it so we're hoping to have that fully operational by next June, and we should be partially operational probably late fall, early winter of this year. Good. Right now our priority is to get us back into the current 911 center where we're doing the renovations. And that's, you're still how many months away from that? We are weeks away from being able to move back in. We're hoping uh, the contractor just gave us an updated date of July 12th is when we can start moving the consoles from the garage uh -huh. back into the 911 center. Good. But if you want a sneak peek, there is a, a good view right now of what the actual center is going to look like when we move back in. Uh, Commissioner Wilson took a tour two days ago or a day ago. Uh, so if you like a sneak peek, yeah. I'm more than happy to take you out there and let you take a sneak peek at it. But it is absolutely state-of-the-art and it's absolutely beautiful uh the renovations that have been done in the center itself very good thank you so i'd like to remark on the uh on the, on the backup facility that other counties near here would you remark a little bit about how that backs up the other counties also so it's uh so we share resources with all the counties. Uh, we're one of two counties on the Eastern Shore right now that do not have a working backup center. Uh, Caroline County is the other one that does not have a backup center. Uh, back, if you remember when our system was a three county system, the, the three counties kind of acted as a backup to one another. But, but since the three county system and everybody's switching over to the state uh, 700 megahertz system, we all have different CAD systems now, and we don't have the same systems. We're capable of talking to one another on the system, but we're not capable of keeping the data for one another on the system. So uh, the overall plan is, uh, one, uh, the reason that we got additional consoles in, in our center, because we basically have five to six employees on duty at one, at one time, is if we have to act as a backup center for another county. When we do the courthouse, if we ever get into that position, instead of that, that backup capacity being at our core center, we could move the other county into the, our backup center and they could utilize that. Uh, we also have an option of utilizing other counties' backup centers uh, across the shore, but what we don't have capabilities if we go to another county center is a CAD system that we could utilize, if that answers your question. But we, we share resources uh we are we are hopeful down the road someday to maybe be uh 
a primary center for example our state police barracks because they dispatch across the street we now have room if they ever decide to take the path of utilizing us as their primary dispatch center for their their resources they have the capability of being able to move in with us if they so wish yeah i'd like to remark that due to mr house's diligence this whole thing was built with uh with uh, cares and grant money it's all very good. So far, we haven't had to put any county funds into the backup center. So that's pretty spectacular because it's a lot of equipment, a lot of money. I know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to find the time. From the way that Commissioner Steve Wilson had described it to me, it's a must-see. So, All right, so we have a motion and we have a second. Right? Correct? I don't have a motion. No motion yet? I believe no, no, Mr. Commissioner I mean, Wilson. Okay, yeah. I Commissioner Wilson and, and Jack second. Yeah. Do we have a motion and a second? Any questions or further comments or discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Director Haas. All right, Commissioners. Uh, moving on, we have item number four on page four, and this is uh, an extension request for citizen-sponsored text amendment 2104, and this had to do with utility-scale solar arrays, and the Planning Commission needs a little more time to uh, get that ready to forward up to you, so they're asking for an extension. I'll entertain a motion. Sure. I move to grant a review extension in accordance with 18... 1-220C1 for citizen-sponsored text amendment application number 2104, which was conveyed to the Planning Commission by the County Commissioners at its March 23, 2021 meeting. I cite the public review delay in the process to be caused by coordination between the applicant and planning staff in order to meet the conditions of the Planning Commission's recommendation as grounds to grant the 90-day extension. Second. <laughs> we have a motion. We have a second. Questions or discussions? Yes. Amy, could you... Come up here. I just want to, for this, I guess, when it comes to ex extension request for these applications, this amendment application, what is the normal a lot of time that they're allowed to have to begin with? I mean, if you have to have an extension request, it must have been be at the end of its. Yep. So let me take this opportunity because I haven't officially been able to introduce you to our principal planner, Stephanie Jones, who's been Welcome on staff since November, and this is the first time we've been able to meet in person. So um, Stephanie has been on board since November and has picked up the baton on a long list of projects and has been successfully running with them. The citizen-sponsored text amendments are one of them. One of her new duties, and I'll let her um, answer your question about the yeah. time frames. Mm -hmm. So your question was the, the days, how long they have right. to. So according to the code, there's 90 days that the Planning Commission has to give you, uh, give the commissioners their recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's from the time that you convey that text amendment to them. So that's from that March 23rd okay. date um, that you all had basically rec or sent those text amendments to the Planning Commission for recommendation. But it was, so, I mean, I guess this is no fault of the applicant then or is or is this a little bit of both and you're just 90 day extension? so the um it went to the the planning commission and it made the planning commission made a recommendation with the condition that um basically the applicant needed to meet staff's comments mm 
Um, and at this point in time, the applicant's working on addressing those, those comments. Um, we did receive in-house, um, and it basically changes the amendment, but we're working with the applicant um, to move forward. This is the one with the commercial grade and some of it inside of the two mile and some of it outside? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. All right, that's all. So Thank you. While we're asking good questions on that, so two actually, so A, one of the things is we're going to maintain all of our buffers and everything outside of the existing, what we've given us, the SWAF. And then B, has or will the PSC weigh in on whatever these recommendations come back? And have you got any indication from them? Because they're going to be the ultimate authority as to whether we even have the authority to do anything with it, I guess is my question. So as far as I understand, the PSC won't weigh in on the text amendment, but they will weigh in on the proposal if a property owner does come in and propose a solar array. Okay. I, okay. And the whole new You know what I'm going to Yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're going to circumvent us sooner or later. Right. That, yeah. That's my whole point. They'll come right. in and say, even if we said, no, you can't do it, I just have the feeling they'll say, yes, they can. So right. Well, for now, for right now, um, the siting and the site plan review is still being honored um, through the CPCN process. Mm -hmm. So um, we are maintaining that we will continue with that collaborative relationship with the Public Service Commission on these reviews. Um, that whole idea of who will have ultimate authority of site plan is currently being debated by the public utility law judge. That is an active conversation that is going back and forth right now. Right, okay. Okay. All right, so we have a motion, second. Any other further discussion or comments? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. Thank you, Amy and Stephanie. Um, Next commissioner is item five on page five. This is an on-call airport consultant services agreement every five years. This is an agreement that we uh, renew with uh, a consultant to provide uh, airport FAA services and uh, design services at our airport. So can I get a motion on that? I move to authorize Bay Bridge Airport to enter in a five-year contract retaining AECOM as the airport's on-call consultant firm. Funding for the consultant fees for the ACIP projects is covered 90% by FAA grants. Second. We have a motion and we have a second. Any further discussion or comments? No. Okay. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Aye. So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item number six on page 74. Uh, this is the FY22 impact fee schedule and a request to review uh, section 18-3 of the development review impact fees um, basically impact fees uh, for schools fire and parks increase every year annually uh, by the uh, price index as pr presented and published in the engineering news record and that is uh, attached to your memorandum here uh, this year um, with the um, recent increases in costs and construction materials that number is 5.9 percent which is um, abnormally high for an increase in impact fees usually it's about a percent or so point and a half so um, this increase will go into effect unless the commissioners choose to select another 
uh, percentage to increase that amount by or waive it entirely. You have that right to do that, and that's, that's part of this. And then secondly, we would also suggest and re um, recommend that we look at the impact fee schedule and the impact fee ordinance going forward over the course of the next year so we can maybe make some adjustments in that to, uh, for, our, for our county, for our jurisdiction. And um, Amy Mordock is here as well, Director Mordock, um, to answer any other questions about uh, this item. All right, so I'll entertain a motion. I move to direct staff pursue a review of the impact fee ordinance prior to June 2022. Second. For discussion. All right. Any questions, concerns, comments regarding this? Um, I, I have one, and, and I've actually had the opportunity to speak to Todd about it and, and Jack just briefly, but um, it, I think it's important that we're actually going to be take, op opening this up to take a look at some of these impact fees and, and, and what we're charging for um, a lesser impact because of a particular type of project. And, and, and we can, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail about where I stand on some of these impact fees and where I think they need to be that we'll look at, we'll look at those. But uh, I, I think it's time, certainly, that we look at how we determine these fees and what these fees are for low impact uh, development. Our comprehensive plan drives um, MPDUs, it drives workforce uh, price departments. Um, you know, we're looking for that, and, and yet there's no incentive for the developers to come in and give us that, that those areas where we lack or our, or our housing is low. So um, I think this is great that we're getting ready to do this. So, Amy, do you want to come up again real quick? Just kind of so people understand where this is driven off of. Because 5.9% over 1.8. So I'm assuming the CCI is driving the 5.9%. Pardon? The construction index is what's driving us. Yes. To five yes. Yep. So I guess my question to that is, is how do you develop that back into consumer level? Because that's the cost of me deciding to build a home. That's not necessarily what is the cost of the effect of it. In other words, if uh, the APFO is covering schools, are we trying to say that it's going to cost us an additional 6% if we build and or maintain a school at this point? Are they, I mean, are they supposed to correlate? Because it just seems extremely high to me at 6%. I mean, I, it is. We're, we're in a bump, obviously, with construction material costs and things like that. But, I mean, this just seems, I don't know, this seems outrageous to me to go that high. So I would be in favor of looking at lowering it this year because I just think that's outrageous. Yeah. So, um, well, yes. that's a separate issue. With, there is a motion to, to, to study the impact. Okay. Of I just want to ask that before I yeah, decide how absolutely. Vote the yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, just to clarify that. All right. Yeah. So we can vote on that one. Okay. All right. So uh, any other comments? No? Okay. So um, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. All, uh, there was uh, no opposition. So uh, it passes by vote. So. Thank you. What The rate. Yes. Yeah, so, so our rate last year was 1.9. 1.5. Was it 1.9 or 1.56? That's a 400% increase. Yeah. I just. It's significant. Um, the, the last time there was such a significant bump was about four years ago, but that was only, I think it was 3.6. So this is a significant increase. Um, the statute notes that you can adopt the increase as indicated in the, the annual study. 
which gives us that annual inflationary adjustment. Um, so that's a consistent number every year. So the way I read the code is that you may waive it or you can retain the existing impact fees. I don't know that there's um, a provision in the code that would allow you to adopt something else. Uh, so I think it's either the current, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the current percent, or the or the the new inflationary adjustment it are your choices, or to waive, which would take you back to the current percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's supposed to represent the commiserate cost of the increase on the developer and then the increase on the county if we're providing the service. That's a part of the reason that we would like to conduct the study, just to bring this process in line and the way we identify these fees in line with the housing study that has just been updated, the comprehensive plan that's being updated, the water and sewer plan, APFO needs that ought to be studied as well. Is just, it June? Just is it July one that goes into effect? Yeah, the jump. So it just—it seems exorbitant. It's almost your, your, where the cost of materials are already high, and now you're going to turn around and bump, put another six percent on the cost. That—that's a consumer—that comes back to the consumer eventually. So I, I just can't—I don't know. I, so I, I would. Why? Why can't we make a motion just to hold it? Fifty percent of what? What's? Uh, I mean, you said we can't go in between. We can't go between. We can either stay at the 1.9 or we got to go to 5.9. I mean, look at the statute. I, I, I got to believe that we can put it wherever we want to put that's it. That's what I would think. This one over because waving it we can't, is like Stevie. cutting away from constant yield. It's a, you know. Yeah, Stevie, we can't. I'm not, I'm not saying wave it, I'm just saying reduce it. It goes July 1st, so we won't have another meeting before then, so we right. can't hold it over. Uh, so are you saying what? Right now, we voted to increase it. Yeah. No, no, no. We no, voted you, to do the study for 2022 to, study, to look yeah, at. If it. you do nothing, it goes up by 5.9 percent. But right. I, I thought we could adjust it to a lesser percentage. She says not. Well, we can. In the, in the next meeting, she can come back and tell us we can't. Yeah. Okay. When she does some okay. research. So. I'm good I mean, with that. You know what I mean? Uh, so let's put it at three percent. That's that's what, what I was going to say. Yeah. I, would, I would go at three percent. That's half of what. They're, they're saying it should be, and I just think it's still ridiculous. But, and that's still less than the worst it was a couple of years ago. Right. Well, do you have to? I mean, e even if we did it, not much would happen until we could adjust it. I mean, well, it's going to automatically adjust July one. It's going right. to it's right. going to but, five point nine July one. But only 1, a case that came in until we took a look at it would be affected. Well, I imagine she's got cases coming in every day. Oh. Right. I mean, that's. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we put it at three and you come back at the first meeting and say, nope, it's, it's got to be, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know the workings better than us, so I, I, I'm well, all for it. So, so we, we can make the motion. That, yep. I mean, you're not in favor of, at all going to 5.9, right? right? I mean, we have right. a sense there that we don't want right. to go to 5.9. So we can make the motion that we are proposing to put it at 3%. If that's deemed to be not possible, then the motion will continue to make it back at the 1.9 where it sits, because we're not going to 5.9, right? I mean, that, we can we can make the motion hinged on whether what we're doing is doable, right? And then that gives the out so that she doesn't have to come back to us. 
she's got both answers at, at the same time. But then the study will also help us in, when we change this to where the commissioners can set that. Next year, so right, yeah, right, next year. You right. understand? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. Okay, to make that into a motion, Jack. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. So I, uh, I'll make a motion that we uh, set the, um, the APFO's uh, increase at 3% for fiscal 21-22, and if deemed undoable, I think that's a word, uh, then it will revert back to the existing 1.9%. Second. All right, so we have a motion. Thank you, Jack. And a second. Any further question, comments? All right, um, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. I, I'm sorry, I'm not understanding because you have it that it reverts. Did you say to one nine? It goes to what it is now. But it is now one nine. For for another year? Yeah, while they do the study and get the information, correct. Versus five nine. Right. Okay. I know what you mean, but that, that's just such a hell of a jump. Yeah. You know. It's a it's a six percent tax, Steve. Yeah. On. <laughs> I take I mean, the point, but that's and and for what we have no new schools in the hopper to be built. Comes out of the taxpayer's so. pocket if we don't get it. So Correct, but that's why we want you know the study, and, and I think that and to put it in there. So the only way it's going to revert back is if it legally we're not allowed to change that. Right. What's your sense of the study time? I do, I do not know. I, I mean I am hopeful that um, the last study took a year, so I'm hopeful that. A, an updated study would look at it. We'd be looking at a similar time frame. It started in 2006 and ended in 2007, and it looked like it was a full year. Huh. So I would anticipate the same. In your free time. <laughs> but we would look to hire out. So your this authorization is also um, we have um, an emergency study line item in our budget, or and if that is insufficient. And you'll be seeing me again related to this request. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Good. Yeah. Thank you. We might have to. Yeah, as I say, commissioners, we uh, we're about halfway through our action items. We have one presentation, and then we have a public hearing, which uh, can actually the public hearing proceed. was scheduled at six ten. Right? Six ten. So would you? I know Commissioner Corcorino has some uh, some time constraints as well. So how would you like to proceed? You want uh, to probably right to the public hearing. Right. Okay. Oh, sure. That's fine. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Chris. Yep. Go ahead. Well, right. real, real quick, can I make a suggestion? We have people that are part of these action items that are going to have to sit here through those hearings because they're back to back. Do we really want to keep them here for the length of the hearing? They're just in here for some of these smaller action items. I mean, it's up to you, but I'm just. I'm kind of worried about the presentation. Yeah, the presentation's at six. It's the only one I'm really worried about. Well, then, let's do the presentation. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. All right. We can move on to the presentations. So we have one, one presenter. We have uh, Jim Kayla, our administrative officer from the Plant Protection and Weed Management, Maryland Department of Agriculture, and uh, Dave McGlashan, Chief Property Manager, to discuss the weed Tab control six. Tab six. advisory board. Tab six, correct. Gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, we're here to, uh, to gain your approval uh, to form a noxious weed control advisory committee. Uh, I do have Mr. Jim Kaleo here with the Maryland Department of Agriculture's Plant Protection and Weed Management Division. 
Jim's been uh, instrumental in helping us kind of revamp our weed control uh, program and uh, is a, a great uh, deal of knowledge uh, as far as helping us again to kind of uh, guide the water, so to speak. But Jim is uh, agreed to come down with us to us today to to uh, kind of elaborate or, or answer any questions perhaps uh, in regards to forming a noxious weed control committee. So what, why don't we start with why we need one and what their responsibilities will be. Okay. I'm going to defer to you. Thanks, Dan. You're giving me way too much credit, man. <laughs> I told you I would. Thanks, Commissioners. Um, yeah, uh, basically, we have a weed control program here in Queen Anne's County uh, that deals with noxious and invasive weeds. And what this advisory committee would do would be to give the, the program oversight, um, which would involve, uh, the committee would involve agricultural agencies, uh, farmers from four different sections of the county, um, and it would basically uh, provide information and education to everyone. And, and when we meet, uh, this committee would basically discuss what's going on as far as we control in the county. Um, and uh, we've, I've already talked to a lot of people in our ag agencies that are very interested in it and think that we would need this in Queen Anne's County. Um, and as far as the Department of Agriculture, we try to establish a committee in each one of our counties that we have active programs. Right now we have 15 counties uh, that have active programs in the state of Maryland. Uh, so all of these programs have committees associated with them. So that at the end of the year, when our program uh, is wrapping up with its seasonal treatments, we would meet during the winter and discuss where we've been, where we want to go, uh, what, you know, as far as our equipment status, our, our herbicides, uh, our special rates, things like that will be discussed and, and, and when we move forward with that. So who pays for all that? Is it the county? Is, it, is this the state so paying for this? For, or for the committee or the program? Excuse the me. programs. The program? Uh -huh. The county pays for that. And, and, the, and the committee says who gets it? Basically, if, if we have, I, I'm just trying to figure out how this works. If 300 farmers go, I got these weeds and somebody's got to come take care of these weeds. Well, yeah. Yeah, right now we have a, a weed control coordinator who sprays all the county roads, the right-of-ways. Now, if there is a request from, say, a farmer or a private homeowner, that is a fee-for-service. Okay, because, I mean, that's, we get a lot of calls f for the private homeowners, right. the frag mighty. And I think that, you know, this may, you could keep two guys busy year-round just to Kent Narrows. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. so that those are going to be, you know, whatever we enact here, it, it, there's going to be people lining up for it. And I think that some of the expectation is that, the, you know, the county pay for this. And I'm yeah. just, that's what I'm trying to get a feel. Is this something where, no, no, this is, this it's, is. The, you know. the county, um, the county's program actually charges for its services and the committee actually sets the rate <coughs> that we charge for these, for these services. Like just for instance, if we were to do Fragmites, uh -huh. uh, it's $150 an hour across the state. That's what all of our programs charge. We try to keep it all the same. Mm -hmm. Um, an agricultural rate for farm service, they charge by the hour would be like 65 an hour plus materials. Mm -hmm. um, so what that does is when we charge these prices and we do these applications, all that money comes back into the budget for the weed control program. So it pays for our salaries, our equipment, our chemicals. Mm -hmm. 
everything we bring in goes right back into the program. So that program really is, is, isn't really necessarily a, a quasi-county government. I mean, it sounds like it's pretty much independent from that since you're a, a fee in lieu for the services. Correct. Now, the, the Queen Anne's County will sign an agreement every year, mm -hmm. a cooperative agreement mm -hmm. with the Department of Ag, mm -hmm. uh, saying that you will, you know, do this program and, and such. So, mm -hmm. but yes. So, so, and I'm just using it as an example. Somebody who lives in Southern Kent Island has a, you know, in, in one of the communities we're putting our new sewer system in and they've got Fragmity, they could actually call and set up a, for someone to come out and look first or however it works, it's $150 an hour to go out and spray the Fragmity on their property. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. That, that seems fair to me. Okay. So now when the chemicals are applied just using the Fragmity, since that's the, the subject that we're talking about, how long does it does it last? How long, It kills the Fragmity and then it, it stays just how the treatments how what it, it would once we treat fragmites that usually we we kill about 90 percent of it on the first application and then we'll usually do a follow-up the next year to treat whatever comes back okay. and that that usually lasts up to up to 10 years probably okay. and a follow-up is another fee no yes first. okay just yes. i mean because i think you're gonna get a lot of business yeah, yeah. you could be looking yeah. at 300 bucks yeah. you know over a two-year period to to treat it and yeah, some some of our counties, like on the on the lower shore, that's basically it. Seems like it takes up all their time just doing fragmity treatments because mm -hmm. it's just it's overwhelming. And right. you know we have a lot of uh, like farmette mm -hmm. landowners that are on right on the uh, waterline, and, and it's just yeah, yeah. We, we get a lot of calls from that. We we um, we hired our new weed control coordinator. It's been 18 months ago now, and um, and it's steadily growing. Good. Well, that's good. I mean, at least because we had a lot of calls for it. I'm glad to see we're, that's, that's, I think it's going to work out well. Very good. Well, I'll make a motion. Uh, I move to allow the forming of a county noxious weed control advisory committee. Second. Okay. All right, we have a motion and a second. Any further discussion or questions for uh, our visitors? All right. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Got it. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks, gentlemen. Right. What other presentations do we have? Was that, that was the only presentation we had this evening. We can. Everyone uh, We can move into our public hearings for this evening, and um, I know Commissioner Corcorino it may, may need to jump off here shortly, but he is still with us here via Zoom for the time being. So, if uh, County Attorney uh, Patrick Thompson could come in and. Um, Chair of the hearing. First, we have uh, County Ordinance 21-05. This is for the expansion of the Kent Narrows Commercial Management and Waterfront Improvement District, established under Article 6 of Chapter 5 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne's County. So, Mr. Thompson. Thank you. Uh, at your regular meeting on May 11, 2021, Commissioner Corcherino introduced County Ordinance. 2105, a bill entitled an act concerning the expansion of the Kentonaris Commercial Management and Waterfront Improvement District established under Article 4 of Chapter 5 of the Code of Public Local Laws. For the purpose of expanding the Kentonaris Commercial Management and Waterfront Improvement District to include Parcel 607 Grid 20 Map 58D 
as general of the Queen Anne County sectional zoning map, currently owned by Lippincott Sailing Yachts Inc. by amending the boundaries of the Kentonaris Commercial Management and Waterfront Improvement District. This hearing being held Tuesday, June 22, 2021 at 6.10 p.m. in the County Commission Meeting Room, Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland. Copies of the ordinance have been available at the County Commissioner's Office prior to the hearing and uh, online on the county website. Uh, citizens are asked to participate in public testimony by email, live video, or audio. Speakers will be limited, limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length can be submitted to the County Commissioner at 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities, sign language interpreters, and assistive listening systems all are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating the notes of the hearing were published in the Bay Times Record Observer for three consecutive weeks prior to today's date, and a memorandum from Amy Mordock, Planning Director, with respect to the proposal. With that, Amy, did you have something you want to no, start with her? Just in case. No one signed off. Is there any public testimony with respect to County Ordinance 2105? I do have some virtual. Uh, the first comment comes from Patrick Hagar. Dear County Commissioners, I'm in favor of the Planning Commission's decision to approve this ordinance. The positive economic impacts and increase in county jobs that result are imperative to the future success of the county. Then I also have D. Perry on Zoom. So if you could please unmute. I think that's the wrong word. I think that's 2102. Oh, that one's 2102? Oh, yes. Okay. Since D. Perry didn't unmute, you may be right. <laughs> No. That's it. Close the hearing if you want. Yeah, you want close comment? Okay. Close public comment. Okay. We'll keep it open for two weeks in case you hear anything, right? Yeah. I'm surprised with this room that we don't have anyone commenting. Okay, now we have our next hearing. Um, this is ordinance, county ordinance 2102. And this is a citizen-sponsored text amendment and involves major and minor multifamily dwellings, non-residential height requirements in the UC district. Mr. Thompson. At your regular meeting on April 27, 2021, Commissioner Moran introduced County Ordinance Number 2102, a bill entitled an Act Concerning Major and Minor Multifamily Dwellings and Non-Residential Height Requirements in the Urban Commercial Zoning District in Queen Anne's County. For the purpose of adding major and minor multifamily dwellings as a permitted use in the UC zoning district, providing that the same will be permitted only as a part of a redevelopment that includes an existing marina and other commercial uses, amending the UC district purpose, amending the dimensional and bulk standards and the maximum height for non-residential uses in the UC zoning district and generally addressing and dealing with uses, bulk standards, and non-residential height requirements in the UC zoning district by amending section 18.1.22 of the Code of Public Local Laws. 
This hearing is being held Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021 at 6.15 p.m. in the County Commissioner's Meeting Room, uh, Liberty Building, 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland. Planning Commission uh, issued a favorable recommendation with regard to proposed amendments. Copies of the ordinance have been available at the County Commissioner's Office during regular business hours and online to county website. Uh, citizens are urged to, are asked to participate in testimony via email, live video, and audio. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length may be submitted on or before the hearing date to the county commissioners. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities, sign language interpreters, and assisted li listening devices are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice was published uh, for three consecutive weeks uh, prior to hearing in the Bay Times Record Observer newspapers of general circulation in Queen Anne's County. Written testimony has been submitted uh, by the Queen Anne's County Economic Development Commission. Also part of the record will be a memorandum containing the recommendations of the Queen Anne's County Planning Commission. Two memorandums, one dated 23rd of March, 2021, and one April 27th, 2021. Um, Joe, I think you represent the Yes, thank, thank, thank you, Mr. Thompson. Would it be okay if I approach with Mr. Petrie? We'll keep it within our time limit jointly. And that just be, I think, simpler as a, a quick presentation of the ordinance. Why don't you pull that chair up? Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. It's nice to be here without a mask on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it being here with a mask on, frankly, when you guys are still operating. Joe Stevens, on behalf of Walt Petrie and Tim McGrath, property owner in Queen Anne's County and a partner. And uh, we filed this amendment. Walt had come to me. Um, he has the Bay Bridge Marina under contract. Uh, he'll be closing on it soon and wants to redevelop it. It's underutilized. You know, a lot of vacant space in the, the marina itself, a lot of vacant uh, retail space, res space and so on. Um, Walt wants to do a mixed-use project that includes um, multifamily, which means either standalone apartments or standalone condominiums and could also include what's called commercial apartments. The zoning ordinance allows commercial apartments in this zone in a very high density, quite frankly. You're allowed, one square, you're allowed three square feet of commercial apartments for every one square foot of commercial space on the first floor. This 42-acre site could, could, um, uh, could, could um, from density calculation standpoint, could have over 700,000 square feet of first floor commercial. Now, obviously, that's just a calculation, but what I want to put into context is this is not an ordinance about increasing development potential on the site. It's about flexibility and design and the type of product Walt could offer. Instead of just a commercial apartment on the second, third, and fourth floors of a commercial building, he could do a standalone apartment or maybe even a condominium apartment, condominium unit. Mixed use is part of a marina redevelopment. Those are the parameters of the ordinance. That's all the ordinance does. It doesn't increase density. The other thing the ordinance does is we requested an increase in height allowed from 45 to 55, which would be across the board in the urban commercial district. The, however, with the caveat that you could not have more than four stories, which is permitted now under 45 feet. Walt will explain that in more detail, but essentially it's to do a higher quality building. He's not gonna have any more space, any more square footage, any more units. 
It's about building to the county's design standards, pitched roofs, screening um, um, HVAC units and things like that, and having a nicer building, higher ceilings, and so on. That's it. That's the whole context of the ordinance. This isn't about development approval. If you approve this ordinance, Mr. Petrie is going to move forward with site plan and with adequate public facilities review through the Planning Commission and have to you know, get in line for sewer if and when it becomes available, just like everybody else. Um, and, um, and so it's, it's a request for flexibility. The Planning Commission recognized this. The Planning Commission unanimously supported this. And it's very hard to get an amendment through the Planning Commission. And um, uh, especially now that there's a comp rezoning, well, comprehensive plan, which will then be followed by the rezoning um, after that. But the Planning Commission recognized that this isn't about a gro new growth area. This isn't about changing intensity of development. This is taking a site that's been identified for mixed use development and allowing some flexibility in design, not increasing the number of units, and in fact, Walt will do far fewer than what the commercial apartments would allow. Um, and it's not about um, changing the uses per se, it's about allowing a different type of residential use. And that's what the ordinance is. No development approvals, he has to go through a lengthy process with the county. Um, so with that, what I'll do is, I just want to highlight that the EDC recommended favorably, Chamber of Commerce, Business Queen Anne's, and then of course the Planning Commission. So I'll ask Walt, back up for a second. Gentlemen. Wait, let me just say something. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. We're not going to give you a development review, but he, we all thought you got to see the site and what he's kind of thinking about because we're the ones precipitating the amendment. So he'll just take a minute and tell you about the site and what he's thinking about doing that. Yeah, the plan that you're looking at is basically a general plan. It's probably plan number 300 because we're always trying to figure out the best approach and what to do. And this particular plan shows development of condominiums and apartments. It could change. I just may, need to make that clear. But it's uh, it's an evolution, and as time progresses, we will we will zoom in on the plan, and at that point, we'll be in front of you again to get our concept plan approval and apply for uh, water and sewer. The re one of the reasons why we want to do the uh, increase the height, which is a seems like it's a, a major thing, but for us. It's, it's really a question for you guys. Do you want a B-class apartment building or do you want an A-class apartment building? It's all about architecture. Do you want the air conditioning units on the outside of the buildings, on the ground, or do you want them on the roof so you can't see them? And also building heights, uh, the floor-to-floor -floor dimensions. Do you want to have an eight-and-a-half-foot high ceiling or do you want to have a nine-and-a-half or ten-foot high ceiling in each apartment? So we're not asking for more density. We're just asking for this approval for architectural considerations, making the, making the uh, balconies bigger, and really providing a much better product than forcing us to squeeze down into 45 feet and doing a more of a conventional apartment project. And that's the only reason we're asking for it. So we're not asking for more density, as, as Joe mentioned. So I, I've been in the development business for a long, long time. I've seen this property. I've been a member of the Beach Club and a partner of the Beach Club for over 20 years. Uh, unfortunately, John Wilson, as we all know, passed. I miss him desperately. Uh, but this, I kind of evolved into this opportunity, and we've been staring at this property for 20 years, wondering why is it so dilapidated? Why is it so run down? Uh, it's really the gateway to the county. And how do we, how do we take this diamond in the rough and improve it into something that, like the Beach Club, 
the county can be proud of. And that's really what I'm trying to do here is create a class A development that will complement the beach club and add activity to the market and provide jobs and employment opportunities. So currently I'm scheduled to close in about three weeks and I, I will close whether I get this approval or not, to be candid. But um, we, we think what we're asking for is appropriate. This is a dead end road. I've been doing commercial for many years and it's pretty hard to rent 100,000 square feet of commercial on a dead end road. There's just no opportunity to lease it. And so forcing us to build it and it would be vacant is, would be a mistake. Oh, uh, the other thing that I have, uh, I'm prepared to profit, is to build a pedestrian bridge. And that pedestrian bridge would connect the north bike path to the south side of the island. And that, that proffer would be after we have built approximately 100 to 120 units, whether it be condos or apartments, so that we can amortize the cost of that bridge. And we have been to the county, the state, and the bridge authority. We've got a preliminary plan and a locational map that we have identified and we've gotten preliminary nods from all of those agencies saying that the location, they actually had us move it once. Uh, and we have, we were developing preliminary plans for that bridge, but it really can't be built and can't be financed by us until we built a certain number of units. All right, thank you very much. I think our time's up, so. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, signed up to speak, uh, Patty, is it Maggie? So, I'm not a public speaker. I'm a member of the Ken Island community now. I've lived on the island for 18 years, and I just know that I love this island. I'm a chicken necker. I raised my children in Cape St. Clair. And when I moved here, there was already word about nobody wants anybody new coming in. And I live here and I love this island. And we're very fortunate to have all these wonderful opportunities for boating, for bicycling, for walking dogs, and all that stuff. I'm quite interested in developing this island to make it represent who we are. We're a proud bunch of people who live here on this island. And on the eastern shore, I think the whole idea of opening this up to look like who we are instead of like a dilapidated, unbuilt piece of property, I think it's going to do us all good. Not to mention that we have children in Cloverfields who will be getting employment in the new Target. We have people who run to ride bikes and not just do the, the north-south, but do the east-west as well. There's no connection. I have tried walking it with my boxers. I've tried riding it on my bike. I feel like my life is in danger every time I try to cross over that. I'm very interested in having somebody rally for me to be able to safely do that and for people from the north of the island to meet the south of the island and not feel like they're taking their lives into their own hands. I know that this development will make our island look like the proud people that we are because the gateway should look like it is to the eastern shore of Maryland and it looks very dilapidated and very sad right now except for the few things that you see through the bushes when you see Noxies which is a beautiful development and it's kind of secured from that but I, I 
look at Hemingway's and it doesn't really represent who we are. There's a beautiful marina there, we have a boat. We should be more inviting to have people enjoy the Eastern Shore for what it is. And it's a beautiful develop, it's a beautifully developing land as chicken neckers. I don't know how many of you are. I would venture to say most of you are chicken neckers from one day or another and we're not necessarily born and bred here. And I think we should share the wealth of this beautiful land. Thank you. Bonnie Asquith. Hi, I'm Bonnie Esquith. I've been here for close to 40 years. I lived here when I was seven over in Harborview. And uh, my God, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of development in this area. I used to go underneath of Route 50 in, uh, in the drain system. That's how I would get across to Dunn's Pharmacy. Um, <laughs> you guys know that. I, I'm not opposed to this. Actually, I'm damn well for it. I want it because I have looked at Hemingway's, I've looked at that area for a lot of years, and I don't like it. When you come across that bridge, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful area, and I, think, I don't think this apartment building, buildings or redevelopment would hurt it. What I'm looking at also is more apartments for people that do not want to own homes, that want to stay on the island. I'm, for one, thinking about selling my home, but where am I going to go? I don't want to cut grass anymore. I don't want to do that. I, this is a place that I would probably be interested in living and staying here on my island, that, which I consider is mine. I've paid my taxes, I've paid my dues, and I belong here. Please just support it. Uh, 10 feet. Come on, guys, 10 feet. What is that? It's nothing. It's nothing. When you come across the bridge, everything sits down anyway. So 10 feet is not going to make a difference, but it is going to make a difference in the presentation of the of the apartments you know it's going to be more so upper, just nicer so anyway thanks for listening thank you Deidre Wilson I'm Deidre Wilson and I'm representing the Chesapeake Bay Beach Club in my husband's stead um, we are for this development to just as the other ladies said bring up the look of coming across the bridge and welcoming more people to live on Kent Island, even if it's just close to the water, and have their boats in the marina. And I think it would be a very positive um, thing for our tax base, having that many more people on the island, using the island's facilities, and happily living here. And I too am a 20 year, 21 year now chicken necker. And very happy to be here and will be here even after I get to the point where, oh, I'm old and need to sell my house. So I need to have some place to live when I do that. And hopefully it's going to be this development. Tim McGrath. Hey, I'm Tim McGrath. I've been a resident of uh, Queen Anne County since 95. I'm Walt's partner, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, we, we see an opportunity here for a property that's, that's very much in need of help. It's, it's operating way below its potential and has for many, many years, and we, we think it needs life support, and we intend to, you know, we intend to fix that. Walt and I have spent the last year working really, really hard to come up with a a plan that's economically viable, that makes sense, and we, you know, and, and this is where we are. Uh, and I think it, uh, it needs to be done. 
And also, if there's any concern about elevations with regard to the airport, we are working with the FAA to get their approval. We are within all, the, all of their elevations and all their guidelines. And you know, we are addressing that, all of those issues regarding the airport. Uh, I hope you guys can find a way to support us. Thank you. Tracy Schultz. I'm not a chicken necker, so <laughs> <laughs> proud to say. What a, this project is and needed of a, like Mr. McGrath said, uh, life support. Uh, it would provide more tax base to the county. It is a sort of an eyesore now, and I think these gentlemen are the right people to try to put some life into it, and it would be a nice presentation when you come across the bridge. Hopefully they would do a good job, and when you come across the Queen Anne's County, the entrance to the Eastern Shore. And I think it would also be good tax base compared to what it's doing now. And uh, this needs a revitalization in that area now. So. And the bike path would be a, a great addition. There are people going across Route 8 now to get from north to south to the bike trails, and that's pretty dangerous, so, like some lady said. But I think it would be a good revitalization project, and uh, I support it. So thank you. Um, next name is Robert. I can't read the last name. Cold Crossing Lane. Bully. Sorry. My chicken scratch. Hey, uh, I'm here on uh, wearing several hats. Lifelong member of the Stevensville community. Grew up there. Spent my days probably when it was a little safer trekking up and down Route 8 on my bicycle. Um, things have changed, you know, so the safety issue is certainly an element. After speaking with the guys and hearing from things uh, from the Chamber of Commerce, uh, I'm a sitting board member there, they gave us a presentation several months ago, knowing that the bike path extension from north to south was a, a viable option with this project. It obviously connects the community. You know, north is, is divided from the south and, you know, there's no two ways about it. So from a, uh, from a business standpoint, I have multiple recreational facilities in the business park that I've grown there since 2013. Uh, in doing so, there is an element of disconnect as well. You know, we service, I mean, every kid in the, in the community has probably been through one of the places or the, or the other. So with that being said, I think it just gives us a, a family-oriented connection on the island that uh, is, is missed right now. Um, economic standpoint, uh, ironically, my first job was at Baybridge Marina. 16 years old, it didn't, uh, didn't take much for me to realize that this place was an economical, economical pitfall. Uh, spent more time maintaining the property at that point in time than we saw people using the property. And that was kind of a common joke amongst us as a high school uh, you know, staff member there. You know, so if it wasn't the transient members, uh, the boating community coming back and forth on the weekends, we didn't see a whole lot of uh, potential there. In reality, there's a ton of potential. You know, this, this, this use, I think, takes a dead-end road and turns it into a very productive uh, position for us to be proud of. Uh, the gateway to the Eastern Shore, 100%. Why not dress it up, make it look um, like the pride that we have um, from, from, from the community? Uh, I think those items, um, more or less, are the standpoints from the business. For me, if people can be connected, Obviously, Terrapin Nature Trail is something for many families. You know, most families, I deal with a lot of athletes. I'm talking about the community as a whole. That puts everything back on the map. Take, I would prefer to be able to take a bike ride down to Roman Coke Pier in a heartbeat. Something right now I wouldn't do. When I was a kid, I probably would have done it, but I was a knucklehead. Um, so underutilized, obviously, was mentioned uh, by the attorney in the first uh, opening statement. 
100%. You know, it's underutilized. There's no debate about that. Uh, touched on building the community, placing us back in an environment of togetherness. Uh, it's a redevelopment, not a new development. Obviously, that's going to create um, its own stir, but fact is, this is a redevelopment, and I think it's a darn good one. So, good luck. So, good evening. Um, I worked at Hemingway's in 1987. I was pretty much born and raised here as well, but all the points that are being raised today are all very valid. Um, it does need the revitalization. It needs a lift um, to really make it what it should be. We were asked to do that at the inn. Um, when we built that in 2015, we were the gateway project, if you will. We held to a really nice standard. When you come across the bridge, you see Chesapeake Bay Beach Club, you see Hemingways, you see the inn and, and what it has done. But from an economic engine, I'll just give it to you from a hotel perspective. We have guests all the time that are coming from a leisure perspective, especially post-COVID. The access to the bike trails is actually a really nice resource that Queen Anne's County has, and it's probably underutilized from a tourism and, and development type aspect. It, it should be pushed and, and extended to be able to use it from a hotel basis provides a lot of additional revenue for not only the beach club, but for the county, it brings guests into us. We deal in a lot of corporate and, and social groups all the time, and they're always looking for activities and things to do, and we send them to different areas of the county. We transport them to different areas of the county, having one more resource available to us, and to be able to utilize a, a nice clean picture and bring symmetry to that road really helps. Um, right now, it's kind of a dead-end road. I think somebody mentioned that earlier, but to, to just bring some life to the area, connect it, symmetry up and down, uh, Pier 1 Road would really add benefit to the county. It gives it a, another area of entertainment and, and opportunity that currently doesn't exist. So thank you for your time. Um, Jody Schultz. Uh, Jody Schultz, Chester, I'm just uh, speaking in favor of this. I kind of echo the comments that everybody else has made before me. And I, I wrote down there the other day just in kind of in preparation of this um, hearing, and I thought, um, I remember how nice it used to be in there when it was built, and I, it, was, it was almost a little sad that I hadn't been in there a while to see how kind of uh, barren it was in there and the lack of uh, tenants and um, really the condition of the property and kudos to Walt for wanting to push through prior to getting any approvals. It's damn sure nothing I would do, but um, kudos to him for, for taking that risk. But I, I, I wish him well in there and, I, and you know, we got to continue to grow the tax base. Uh, I look at this area, area almost as a, as a, a mini Canton Arrows. I mean, we're working hard in Canton Arrows to make things look good. I know this area really used to be a, a special place. And I think we could get it back to that, but it's going to take somebody like Mr. Petrie to really get it there. And, uh, you know, whether you like this project or not, you really can't ignore the crosswalk that they're proposing to put in there. It's going to benefit really everybody in the county. So I hope you give a lot of consideration and, and a lot of thought and, and uh, you know, approve what, uh, what they're trying to do down there. So. <coughs> That's all signed up. Is there any other public testimony? Okay. <laughs>
Good evening, Commissioners. Jay Falstad, Queen Anne's Conservation. I promise I'm not going to take a 180 approach on this, but um, I don't think anybody argues with the benefits of redevelopment and some of the things that have been said here uh, sound promising. But one thing I will, I, I hope you will evaluate a little further is the height of the buildings. Um, in spite of what you think, one of the great things that I love coming across the Bay Bridge is the fact that when you come down the Bay Bridge, you see nothing. And I urge everybody that's coming east to look and all you see is a tree canopy. How about we be a little different than Columbia or any of those other areas that are growing up and up and up? We are the Eastern Shore. It's different than every place else. I hope you'll he keep the 45 uh, foot limit. He said he's going to go forward anyway. So let's leave it the way it is and let's not open Pandora's box because I assure you, once you add 55 feet here, there are going to be other areas of the county that want to do the same thing. And at that point, you're not going to be able to say no. So anyway, I hope you'll take that into consideration and thanks for the time. Is there any other public testimony? Jack Broderick from Chester. Uh, I've been around a while and uh, participated on the Citizens Advisory Committee 15 years ago, lasted about three years on Chester Stevensville. Probably more effort in that committee was given towards discussing that Island Gateway zone. And there, there were a number of recommendations. The uh, citizens' recommendations didn't fully get bought by the Planning Commission. A lot of them did. There was a specific recommendation in there about not going above 45 feet. And I strongly recommend that. I strongly urge you guys to look at that. I would say go back and look at some of those comments that are still very valid in that Chester Stevensville plan. I know right now we're, a number of us are working with uh, Amy and her folks in reevaluating, looking going forward, how do we update the future of the complaint? Certainly, I think Walt Petrie's proposal here has a lot of merit. And this is the gateway to Kent Island, gateway to Queen Anne's County, gateway to the Eastern Shore. And I'll just read a quote out of the current comp plan. The Bay Bridge Gateway site is a prominent location that creates and enhances the sense of entry, in quotes, and the sense of arrival on the island, the county, and the Eastern Shore, and reflects the Eastern Shore feel and the island character. Again, I commend Mr. Petrie for trying to work with the same concept that John Wilson did and what he's done over there. When you, go, when you look at that beach club, you look at the, uh, the hotel out there, it's, it reflects the island character. I really question whether having 55 feet, the highest we allow in Queen Anne's County, being what you see as you come off of the Bay Bridge. 
Again, a lot of great ideas. We welcome the infusion of new energy. But please take a really hard look at why we need to do it at 55 feet. Thanks. Any other public testimony? Tom Davis, professional engineer with DMS and Associates. I'm working with Mr. Peacher on this project. Um, as Joe indicated, this text amendment related to the density does not allow any more density uh, than it would be permitted with the commercial apartment layout. With respect to the height, we struggle with the fact that in the urban commercial district, you're allowed 45 foot height by right now, but superimposed on that are design guidelines that require pitch roofs and, and, and the extra 10 foot would just allow us to get closer. Our architects struggle all the time trying to meet the design guidelines that were superimposed in the TC and UC design guidelines. So this extra 10 foot would allow us to create very nice architecture that complements what Mr. Wilson did at the Beach Club, at the uh, Inn, and, and I think it would just be a lot more flexible to give us a, a great project. So that's all I have to say. So. Yeah, we do have, uh, we have some people in Zoom. Uh, I reached out to Mike and Lisa. If you would like to make a comment, please let us know. Uh, send me a message so I know that you're here. But we also have Dee Perry, who is ready this time. So Dee Perry, whenever you're ready, if you can please introduce yourself. Go ahead. Great, thank you. Uh, good evening, my name is Dave Perry, and uh, I'm an aviation uh, expert. I've got over 30 years of air traffic control experience and as a uh, airspace specialist. And I've been retained by Mr. Petrie to assess the height requirements against the uh, Bay Bridge Airport and uh, for the uh, redevelopment of the marina there. And my evaluations have uh, shown that at, even at 55 feet, the, uh, the heights are well within inside the limits of the uh, FAA's uh, guidelines. So just letting you know that. Thank you for so much. All right, that appears to be all I have for Zoom. Okay, we'll close public hearing and hold it open for two more weeks. Yeah, but I, I, got, I got some questions I'd like to. Sure. Amy, can you? One more time up here. I, I just want to know. Yes, both of you. Yes, no. I just, you know, I, I got. I have some questions about the, the fifty-five feet also. So, uh, sorry, you're on. There you go. He's got one for you. Do you have any idea the inn? How tall that is? What the what the height on that is? I do not. Do you, the inn forty-five. Forty-five. Okay. So the inn's at forty-five. I know when we did the target. Uh, text amendment, you know, it specifically was for that target because we just didn't have a big box anywhere else in the county. Uh, how does this work with uh, the 55 feet going here and how many other places could it go if with this change? So it'd be 55 feet throughout the entire UC district. And can you give us an idea of where else it is? The 5301 corridor. The 5301 corridor. Penn Island. Uh -huh. and, but very specifically, um, it's adjacent to uh, the Route 301 corridor in Chester Stevensville, and then not again until Graysonville. And the specificity of this text amendment is relative to a, that height limit 
in a multifamily compa compound specific to a redevelopment project on which there is an existing marina? Yes, but it also includes the entire pipe limit for non-residential structures outside of. Okay, so yep. with or without yep. the, okay. Without That's the, the point of clarification, is that that height limit would apply to any multifamily development within the UC district. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting. That, that's that's going to take some time to digest that because you know I, I think that when you say that is that with commercial on the first floor or no 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 that would just be strictly residential okay okay because I know we've been having discussions uh, over the last couple years with the the height that we have the bonus height that we get for commercial on the first floor and we're getting a lot of commercial on the first floor that's vacant and you know I know we've had that discussion where it ought to all just be residential versus commercial because it's just dead space um, you know, well, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. I think the public needs to know that, you know, what we're talking about here and, and where it can go and where it cannot go uh, as far as that. You know, I look at the 55 feet and, and I understand the concern, but what a lot of people don't understand also is that Kent Island is in uh, the Baltimore Metropolitan Council because of its densities and because of, of the, the population uh, center that we have in that area. Uh, and, and I would I would look at you know one of the things that eight years ago when I first became a commissioner it was always redevelopment not new development uh, you know there was empty buildings we we need to fill those empty buildings we don't need to be cutting down trees or taking farms and and that's where this project I think shines on that and the 55 feet versus going out going up you know th there is a trade off there so you know I, I I don't know that that is is necessarily a, a, a hindrance. You know, I do agree that that piece of property has for years been below potential. And what, personally, every time I do the Bay Bridge run, we come off onto that property and I'm going on top of asphalt that was never top coated when it was built. So, I mean, there was a lot of corners cut on that piece of property that just drive me crazy. And Walt, you're gonna pave the whole thing, right? Two coats and then when I, okay. So, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, again, you know, and, and you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, we talk about eyesores all the time. I mean, this county doesn't have even a, a, an ordinance for blight, and we're going to work on that. But, you know, look no further than the Kent Narrows or Jamal's. I mean, Jody, how long has that property been like that? 100 years. Well, I don't know about 100 years, but that's my point. Is you know, and, and we we have tried we have tried in the past as a county and, and through the business uh, to to do something with that. You know, we, we thought we had a couple deals done and, and some things that we were, the county was very excited about, only to fall through. And we don't need that same thing going on here, at, at, you know, especially between the Beach Club and the Inn. And these are two very successful businesses. You know, they're, they're some of the things that are cherished in Queen Anne's County and, and with their appearance and, and the, the traffic they bring to the county and everybody goes home. I mean, you know, so I, I you know, I, I do think that that redevelopment, new development is, is critical. Uh, you know, I, again, you talk about a gateway site, but what good is a gateway site if it's a dead site? And, and that, you know, I think that the redevelopment here is, is something that, you know, Queen Anne's County can be excited about. And when you talk about connecting communities, I mean, you know, the biggest curse that Queen Anne's ever had was Route 50, cutting it right in half. 
And you know, we used to have red lights where you could get across from one side to the other, then they restricted that to just a couple of overpasses. And you know, we've always had the South Island Trail or the Cross Island Trail, and never the two would meet unless you took your life into your own hands by getting out onto Route 8 and, and trying to make you know, th that trek. And, and that, that bridge is, you know, I, I don't know, a million and a half, two million dollars, and the county's never been able to afford it. The state's, you know, look, let's be honest, we, we have a hard time just getting some sidewalks and curbs replaced in Queen Anne's County, let alone the state's gonna build that overpass, you know, that, that pedestrian connection. So to me, that, that is huge for Queen Anne's County. And, you know, these are all things that need to be taken into account. I mean, you know, again, I'd like to see some renderings of what 55 feet look like. I'd like to see how that compares to, you know, how close they are to the road, how close they are to the inn. You know, what, what, you know, what kind of architecture is going to be facing Route 50? What kind of architecture is going to be, you'll see coming down that bridge? Because, you, know, uh, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people here can agree with that, you know, go over that bridge every day to work. When you do come down that downhill slope, it's a big exhale. I finally made it, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm in God's country and I, I can get away from the madness and, and pull into, you know, Kent Island and Queen Anne's County and, and you truly is home. So, you know, I'd like to see what those effects are. So, you know, if there's something we could get to, to share with the commissioners to take a look at, I think that would be, you know, uh, helpful and for the public, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of times public gets changed, gets scared of change and any change. And I, I totally understand that. I mean, you know, you know, this is again, you know, redevelopment, not new development. And, and you know, Queen Anne's County, we, we are taking pride in what we preserve as farmland and, and where we put our, and concentrate some of our development. And this is just the first step in, in many steps because, you know, this change only allows for that height and some other small things. But you still, like you said, you still got to go through plan review. You've got to go through sewer allocation. And that's, that's going to be big in Queen Anne's County. So, you know, again, you know, the, the Planning Commission sent this to us with a unanimous, and I do agree with that, it's hard to get unanimous, but uh, you got a unanimous through the Planning Commission, and, and like I said, you know, I think that this, this project does merit our attention and, and looking into it and see where we can go from here. So, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Just a minute so we can get them on our website so we can, so the public can take a look at them. Very good. They have a multi-time permitted and existing commercial use. Could you add that to the 55 feet, feet not to exceed 55 have it have you got to come up to the microphone so you can get it on. Would you add maybe add that because everybody doesn't want it across the urban commercial zone and across the whole county. Mm -hmm. Maybe add that part of the existing marina to that 55 foot requirement. Just in the we we can definitely marina. look into that. Maybe we could definitely look into that. Maybe it would help with some of the. I understand. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Right, Amy? One other clarification. Yeah. I think it's important to point out. The Beach Club uh, hotel property is at about the finished floor elevation there is about elevation 18 or 20. For the, for the first floor? For the first floor. Okay. The first floor of our development, either condo or apartments, will start at the elevation 9. Okay. So, from so you're the, down the hill. From, so we're down nine or ten feet below where the beach club finish floor is. So if it were 55 feet, it would basically be the same height mm -hmm. as the beach club. Mm -hmm. Then we'll show you. You mean that. the inn? We. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Is the inn? The inn. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Right. Right. Yes. Correct. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Mrs. Wilson. Nice to see you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other comments? No. no. Thank okay. You. Thank you. All.
We'll close the public hearing, hold it open for two weeks. Thank you. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, good. Patrick, we have one, one more public hearing. Go ahead, Patrick. On April 27, 2021, Commissioner Moran introduced County Ordinance Number 2103, a bill entitled An Act Concerning Self-Storage Uses in the Town Center Zoning District in Queen Anne's County for the purpose of permitting self-storage uses with interior access only in the TC Zoning District in Queen Anne's County, revising the definition of light industrial use on the general definition of industrial use providing a definition for self-storage facility, interior access only, and generally dealing with and providing for self-storage uses with interior access only in Chapter 18 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne's County by amending Section 18.128 and the definition of light industrial use in 18 Appendix 1 and adding the definition of self-storage facility interior access only in 18 appendix one of the code of public local laws this hearing is being held tuesday june 22nd 2021 at 6 20 p.m county commissioner meeting room liberty building 107 north liberty street central maryland the planning commission sent a favorable recommendation regarding the proposed amendment copies of the ordinance have been available to the county commissioner's office <coughs> prior to the hearing and online on the county website. Citizens are urged to participate by email, live video, or audio. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length may be submitted on or before the hearing date to the county commissioner at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening systems are available. For the record, the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of hearing was published for three consecutive weeks in the Bay Times Record Observer newspaper for general circulation in Queen Anne's County. Uh, some written testimony received and the recommendation of the Queen Anne's County Planning Commission in the form of memoranda from the Department of Planning and Zoning. With that, Joe, you're representing. Thank you. Can I approach Mr. Schultz again to say anything? Sure. Here, you get this one. Yeah, thanks a lot. I know why you give me that one, because it's taller. Uh, Joe Stevens on behalf of, um, of uh, Nashville Properties LLC, the property owner who filed this petition. Um, and um, uh, this is another, actually even more so, of a clarification with a bit of a distinction, not a, quite a complete clarification, but in the uh, town center district, um, uh, many uses are allowed that are industrial in nature, permitted by right, warehouses, um, uh, uh, manufacturing plants, lumberyards, truck terminals, so on and so forth. Uh, and when the county had um, earlier had allowed uh, many storage, many warehouses in the, in the town center district, the county amended their ordinance in 2007 and took mini warehouse out, um, never addressing this wholly enclosed um, type of storage facility that you see now. Actually, maybe it wasn't even really that prominent then. Uh, what Mr. Schultz would like to do with his property in the town center district um, is to have a wholly enclosed um, storage facility 
climate controlled or partly climate controlled, I assume all climate controlled or of that nature. Um, and, uh, and what this amendment would do would be create a definition for a self-storage facility, interior access only, so that it would not be a mini warehouse. You can't go driving up to it, you can't have these little low buildings and so on and so forth, but you could build something that is a, is a uh, climate control storage facility. Um, that's the whole amendment. There, there's, there's nothing else to that. Uh, we think it was consistent with the overall town center provisions because, like I said, you can do a warehouse there, you can do a truck terminal in the town center, you can do a number of things that are the industrial, light industrial in nature. Um, the, uh, going back to this mini storage issue, you know, when the county took that out of the town center, didn't allow for it any longer, I think the real issue is there was becoming kind of a pol proliferation of them along that Route 18 Main Street corridor. You have four or five, three or four of them in a row. I think the county said, well, you know, we don't really want to see that use on that area. This, on the other hand, is much more of a, of a real building, an enclosed facility and so on. That's why I believe the Planning Commission, uh, when we went to them, made a favorable recommendation. They didn't see this again as something that should get shifted to the comp plan. It doesn't change density, doesn't really change uses. It's not designating a new area for any growth or any real policy consideration. So uh, with that said, I'll let Jody speak to you about you know, any questions you have and what he is, uh, he's contemplating. And, uh, and then I think there might be one or two other people who want to address you. Well, Joe kind of sized it up. We're just looking to do, uh, when, when these were taken out of the zoning code back in, what was it, 07. 07, I think it was because of the unsightliness of outdoor <coughs> self-storage units. And this is nothing like that. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a building and you would drive up to a, an entrance and I, uh, the gentlemen that are gonna be the end users there are here to, to answer any specific questions. But we're not talking about an unsightly building we're talking about, or a number of buildings like it used to be. I think we're talking about, um, you know, a nice looking building for indoor self-storage. And there's a tremendous need for it um, just because of the influx of, of people we have here now and, and the increased population. Um, you know, there's a definite need. All the self-storage units um, in this county and in most in Talbot County are full and on a pretty long waiting list. So I'm not an expert in the operation of, the, of, these, of these businesses, so if you have some specific questions, I would, um, unless you have some questions about maybe the site or. So is this, so um, uh, this is similar to what's over next to Patriot Fire? The U-Haul storage. storage? Yes, mm -hmm. okay. indoor, correct. Okay. And if you were to Google that, that's, I mean, we live on Google and indoor self-storage buildings. I mean, there's some attractive buildings that, I mean, you can make the building look as attractive as you, as you want. And they're not unsightly, but look no different than, um, you know, a, a permitted, that's already permitted their warehouse or something similar of that nature. And it, they'd still be subject to all of the town center design guidelines that the county implements on any project. Yeah. Have to go through still the whole approval process. Um, Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, signed up is the speaker, Jason Clough. Hello, my name is Jason Clough. Um, my family and I have ran an electrical contracting business in Queen Anne's County for 40 years now. And we also have self-storage facility in Queenstown and one in Easton. And I approached Mr. Schultz about um, 
maybe more than Kent Island because of all the influx of people that have been coming to our Queenstown store looking for space and we have nothing to offer them. They've looked all over Kent Island, they have nothing to, nothing there either. So um, when I found out that you couldn't put a mini storage building up in Kent Island, I was, because we weren't doing that kind of storage building, we were doing everything, we've converted actually a warehouse in Easton over to mini storage and everything's inside. The building didn't change the way it looked, it just, and I couldn't understand what the, why we couldn't have that. But then I realized they were talking about those outdoor small bins. But any questions you guys might have, I have some pictures or anything like that that would show you what we're, what we're trying to do. So, all righty. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, Josh, wow. Hello, I'm Jason's brother, Josh. Um, my family, basically, when we bought our property in Easton, they had me develop it for them as they continue to do the electrical thing. So I've been on the ground and have been dealing with it for the last five years. Uh, we bought the first 30,000 square feet. We fixed it all up, made it beautiful. Then we put up another 30,000 square feet, filled it up, and I now have a 30-person <laughs> waiting list in Easton. And by my calculations, there's not near as much storage as there is on Ken Island as there is in Easton. Um, and our area is growing quite a bit. Um, so that, I'm using that kind of as my barometer, but the building that we want to put in is going to be a beautiful building. We have a lot of pride in, in what we do, and we want to put a beautiful building in. Um, you guys have any questions? All right, thank you. Okay, that's everyone who signed up. Is there any other public testimony? No uh, Zoom. Nobody Zoom or? No. Okay. We'll close the public hearing to keep it two more weeks. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, I can see. Take a recess. action items yeah we can go back to tab three commissioner wilson had to um take a quick break um he'll be right back do you want to continue on take five take five okay take, take five take five all right okay let's bring this meeting back to order all right commissioners we have a few more action items to uh complete here this evening if you want to turn back to tab number three and we left off with action item number seven yep and this is a rural legacy agreement of sale and a project agreement for a 94.66 acre property owned by the Beaches. That is ready for submission to the Maryland Department of Natural Resources for review and approval. And the funding uh, will come from uh, the Rural Legacy Grants Program through Program Open Space for that uh, property. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to approve the R Rural Legacy Agreement of Sale and Project Agreement for the Samuel and Carolyn Beachy property. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion or comments? All in favor? Aye. 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 Did we lose Commissioner Corbino? Okay. We did. Opposed? All in favor. Okay. Good. Passes. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number eight on page 94 is our annual invoice for our MAKO dues. And I'll note that the, um, the dues are, have been flat now for 12 years. So if I get a motion on that, please. 
I move to approve to pay the $15,113 for the FY 2021 MAKO dues and assessments. Second. Any comments? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Commissioners, item number nine on page 100 is the annual Board of Education budget certification statement that we've received and um, our finance office has reviewed that so it is ready for your action tonight. Can I get a motion on that, please? I move to approve the Board of Education annual budget cer certification statement for fiscal year ending June 30, 2022. Second. Second, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have a motion and we have a second. The comments or discussions? <laughs> Okay. I think we've said enough about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, beat it up a little bit. Um, all right, everybody in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. That was painful. <laughs> all right, thank you, Commissioner. Wasn't very enthusiastic, that's for sure. <laughs> all right, we've got a series of budget amendments next. Uh, uh, budget amendment CC42. Item 10 on page 101, and this is an amendment that increases budget authority for the sheriff for repairs to equipment uh, purchased, or excuse me, to would be offset by funds received from insurance proceeds. I move to approve budget amendment CC42. Second. We have a motion and we have a second. The discussion is, go ahead. I got to know what the we had a couple cruisers that were uh, in accidents uh, in accidents. That's what I thought. <laughs> a couple of them were totaled. And <laughs> we had was, one up there. At least it wasn't parked on Main Street and, and, and <laughs> somebody ran into it while it was parked. So they were uh, in, in high pursuit. There you go. High pursuit. High pursuit of criminals. Criminals. <laughs> criminals. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Any other comments? All right. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. Thank you, commissioners. Um, budget amendment CC43 is a tourism grant fund, and this is to increase the tourism grant fund budget by $13,425 uh, relative to an agreement between uh, the county and the Stevensville Arts and Education District and Chesapeake Charities. Uh, motion, motion to approve CC43. Second. <laughs> Stereo. Um, any comments? Discussion on the matter? Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. And budget amendment CC44, this is for the DPW storage building renovation uh, to increase uh, that budget by $15,000 to cover some change orders. Motion to approve CC44. Second. We have a motion, we have a second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. On our last item this evening, uh, on page 104, budget amendment CC45 for the health department, and this is an amendment to transfer uh, funding for um, from the local allocation to the vehicle expenditure account for the cost of the replacement administrative vehicle for the medical officer. I move to approve budget amendment CC-45. Second. With the shag carpet. With the shag carpet. With the shag carpet. Yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. Dr. C. We have a motion in two seconds. Um, <laughs> all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. 
right, commissioners, that uh, concludes all of our action items for this evening. We do have another press and public comment period on the agenda. Do we have anybody else? Nope. Okay. Um, so we can go into roundtable. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away. So, one thing that comes to, should come to our public attention, Mr. Dumanolam might precede you because you're usually the announcer of this sort of event, but I gather that our uh, women's team won the state championship both in softball and lacrosse for which is- Queen Anne's County High School. Yep. The state championship. Mm -hmm. How commendable can you be? So you have to win, what, you have to win the Bayside Conference and you have to win the regional conference. And to get to regionals, you have to win twice. And then beyond regionals, you have to win twice. So kudos to the, to the Queen Anne's County Lady Lion Bucks. I mean, the uh, Lady Lions, without a doubt. So maybe we should get them up here and have a picture or something. That'd be nice. Yeah. It was a huge feat. Maybe you could arrange a picture or do something like so. Okay, we can do uh, that. Goodness, other than that, please somebody else proceed. My mind is blank at the moment, Mr. Uh, Moran. Mm. Jim will just come right on down this direction. We'll go with you next. Wow. Well, I guess I got to. <laughs> don't have nowhere to go but the bridge, right? Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> it's kind of been your baby. Yeah. Well, Archie already had it written down. Yes, yeah. our Bay Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> well. So you know the construction continues with the gate. Uh, the, the automated gates and then the, the new gantries but what we've seen in the last seven to ten days with these backups uh, is I believe far exceeding what anybody anticipated from the standpoint of uh, yesterday's backup uh, was due to an accident on the bridge and I think the accident happened sometime around noon the accident got cleared by 2 15 and uh, I had some commitments, so I said, I better get in line now. And it was a five-mile backup. And the time, I, I will give, you know, MBTA credit. Uh, I get on my offices in Crofton. I get on at 424 and 50. And there's a message board there, and it says, I think it's 21 miles and, and how much time it's going to take me to get to the bridge. And that son of a gun is accurate to within minutes. Yeah, within I've minutes. always timed myself That's on that. That's their modeling system. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's my question. Why don't we have any of those on Route 50 going westbound on Sundays? If somebody, if we had one of those up when you came to the 5301 split and it said right. 11 miles to the bridge, 27 minutes, maybe people would not jump there's on. There's one halfway down to Easton, isn't there? There is. Yeah. And there's one that, that when you get within a, a mile and a half of the bridge, there's one that says to 97. But there's none that says, you know, for, for that traffic coming, because that's, you know, that's that's your, your your mind psyche. I mean, I see the sign and it says 42 minutes. I go, okay, I got a drink with me. I'll turn the tunes on and I'll deal with it for 42 minutes, you know, whatever the case may be. So that's something I think we need to bring up to the brag and, and, and say, why don't we have a message, overhead message so that people understand? Because it is quicker to stay on 50 than it is to get on the side streets. So but getting back to, the, to yesterday's backup and why that's so important is it was caused by an accident Five mile backup by the time they cleared it, they only had two lanes running eastbound. So I have some speed dial friends from the state that I like to, you know, <laughs> ask questions of and, and, and ask for some help. And Todd's in on it, our senator's in on it, our delegate's in on it. 
And I sent the message, I, you know, I understand the, the accident's been cleared. When are you going to open up ContraFlow to alleviate this five mile, five mile plus backup at 2.30 when we know rush hour's coming at 3.30 to, to 5.30? The response I got was, we can't open it because lately the westbound numbers right. have been, been reaching almost 3,500 vehicles an hour, so we can't close that ContraFlow. So naturally, we're going to check our counters. I've talked to Steve Cahoon. We're going to check our counters to see if, in fact, that is the truth. And if it is, it's very alarming because now we've reached that tipping point. Now we've reached that point where ContraFlow is no longer going to be, well, I don't want to say no longer, but ContraFlow is going to be more difficult to enact to alleviate some of these backups. And I think that's why we're seeing now Sundays, Saturdays, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, eastbound is a constant backup. So that leads me to my counterparts in Anne Arundel County. So they just wrote uh, a resolution number 32-21, uh, basically calling into play uh, the, the NEPA study that's been done so far. And they want to go back and basically do it again and, you know, and look for some, you know, they, they feel that the state was uh, inaccurate in, in some of their studies. And, and, and I understand you know, I, okay, I see your point, but your point is, well, let's start over because we really don't think there's any traffic. And I, I, I don't know where you live or, or what you're looking at, but it's there and it's there wholeheartedly. So, you know, these are, you know, these are some things that are, to me, are very alarming and, and with not even knowing where another bridge is going to go. And I, you know, again, everywhere I go, I, I talk about this. It's not a third span. It's a replacement bridge. And, you know, some of the people from the brag are starting to, you know, uh, agree with that, which from Anne Arundel County, which thank goodness, you know, I mean, that's, you know, the, the traffic, we can sit there and go, we don't want another bridge. We don't want a replacement bridge. Well, okay. But that doesn't mean that traffic's going to just disappear. It's here to stay. And, you know, we're, I'm waiting for the census. I'd like to see what the, the changes are at the beaches. You know, I had our uh, EDC director look at it and to find out, you know, how much has Ocean City grown in the last 10 years? And the Delaware beaches, you know, everywhere you look, the retirement communities in Delaware, I mean, how much of that has grown? Jack, you made a great point, you know, earlier on, and I went up to Southersville on Sunday, and I got passed from, from the 5301 split to Southersville. I got passed by, I don't know, 27 cars, and only three of them were from Maryland. I mean, I had an Alaska, I had uh, two New Yorks, I had two New Jerseys, you name it. I mean, every state in the book is using this little corridor. And, you know, and I know the state can tell us because they, they read everything off your license plate. I mean, I think that information should be put out to the public. The public should know in, this, in the months where all this traffic's coming from. Is it coming? I mean, we know Virginia and Pennsylvania. I mean, you just got to sit out there in line to get across a bridge to see how many of those are. So, I mean, I think the public needs to understand that, that this is not... And, and, and we all know this, this is not Queen Anne's County's traffic by any stretch of the imagination because November through uh, April, we don't have any issues, you know, but when the temperatures warm up and people want to go out to the beach and their second homes or whatever the case may be, it's just overwhelming and uh, it, it's not going to get any better. So, you know, that's the, the process needs to be accelerated, not slowing down. down. Yeah. So. Oh. Can I make Sir. a remark? Absolutely. 
So some months ago, I told you that there would be inflation when we got to May and June. We got to May and June, we had inflation. Another prediction I said was that I didn't regard the way the Bay Bridge uh, functionally has regarded traffic growth was to use a kind of national number. For a long time, they were using 1%. I said, what you really need to look at is the economic cycle. How you know that's true is look at the traffic count from 2005 up through nine, and then look at it just disappear in, in nine, 10, and then rebuild as the economy rebuilds. Now, what the hell do you think is gonna happen when you have a boom like you've got in the United States going on right now? It's gonna to respond to the economic cycle so that this is entirely predictable rather than being a surprise. Now, right. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, well, you, I mean, you can only you only got to look at when the first bridge was built. They they say you know the, the, the development exploded on the eastern shore, and 20 years later they had to build a second bridge. Well, now it's been 50 years, and with no attention to it. But roads leading, all roads I, lead to Rome. So, but if you're talking yeah. about what is it going to be over the next two, three, four, five years, if you can model what the economy is going to do, you can pretty well predict what the bridge is going to do. And if we're aiming nationally at three, four, five percent, that's the number you're going to get on the bridge. Now, you can figure out pretty quickly how, how much more, because we're right at that inflection point now where traffic log jams. Mm -hmm. you, you can add 80 to 90, but once you get to 90 and go to 95, it just locks up. Right. And Done. That, I, I predict that's what's going to be. Well, you know, it's, this is going to be the this is going to be the everyday experience. Right. Now, what happens in New York at the Holland Tunnel? Back in the 30s, people could drive through it, and then it jammed up, and people just get used to waiting. I don't know if people are going to accept that. Here. Yeah, they don't because you know that's what that's the biggest fear I have is that people the property values are going to plummet. I mean, I a lot of the people. It, it, it I, might, wouldn't, I wouldn't think that. Well, not yet. Well, it, it might inhibit the growth that people might not move here Correct. because of the, because, but plummet now. Well, yeah. when they don't come here, you know, right now everything is selling, no matter what condition it's in, it's selling. Yeah. And I mean, it is. And, 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 you know, when they talk about storage, I mean, I live in a community with, what, 24 homes, maybe? And I guarantee you at least 10 of those homes have flipped in the last 18 months. You know, and it's younger people coming in, older people going out, or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a, a big turnover. I mean, we all know friends here who have sold homes in the millions of dollars. That in past years, just there was an inventory, they couldn't sell them. Now they're just, you know, and I don't, you know, I, don't, I can't attribute that, that, that to, you know, they want to get out of the city, they want to move, you know, who knows why, but, you know, now they're dealing with that traffic like the rest of us. So, it's, it's, I'm certainly not arguing that traffic doesn't inhibit growth, right. that you would have a plummet in value or people would all of a sudden pack up and leave. Well, I, I, all I can say is 10 years ago, we didn't have any traffic problems ever, you know, with the exception no, of you know, this, multiple accidents. This was statistically extremely, I predicted it years ago when we looked at the growth of the traffic numbers. It had to be. Oh. And there is the interesting thing is, you, I don't know that the county wants contraflow when it would jam up westbound. Correct. I mean, now right. I want them to 
messier commute up right. because, yeah. because I don't want Ken Island paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's why they're doing it. That's exactly, yeah. The, yeah. And so, which, yeah. you know, you can't fault them for no. it. No, no. So, anyways. I'm just going to continue with this because I just had a few comments, but I was waiting for them to. Yeah. So what I disagree with you, Stevie, not necessarily 100%, but what I disagree with you is that I took a shot down to the beach to take a look around, and I grew up going to the beach, and that's so 50-some years. You went all the way down to 32nd Street and went northward, you know, even up to the Route 90 Bridge. You had no large condominium complexes. And even going back to your 2007, 2008 example, I don't think it was as built up as it is now. And you're putting capacity there, and that capacity, and then go down to Delaware Beaches, Bethany Beach, uh, uh, Dewey, all those places were just single cottages down there. Now they're building up with, so you've increased the capacity. And no matter what the economy does, if they continue to co increase that capacity at Ocean City, that bridge is never gonna keep up. And it's just gonna get continually the worst. And the other thing, and if you touched on it, that northbound, southbound traffic on 301 right now, that's why we're seeing the daily delays. Because like you said, we're seeing people from all walks of life, north and south, using that corridor, to whether it's to avoid tolls, to go up and look at pretty farmland. I don't know what's driving traffic it. on 95? Well, traffic on 95, but honestly, sitting in that bridge for five and a half, six miles, I'll take the northern route because I can get up 95 and come the back way, honestly, in about the same amount of time if I gotta sit 45 minutes to an hour at the bridge. I mean, it's that bad. So I just think until us building here, Queen Anne's County is not driving this traffic right now. It's what is east of us, what's available east of us. It's a, it's a you know, and granted we've had some hiccups this week, but generally commuter traffic isn't as bad as it's been these last seven to 10 days. And I attribute a lot of that on the northbound, southbound traffic on 301. But these weekends, it's never, if anybody in Queen Anne's County thinks that this is gonna get better without a short-term solution in terms of a bridge, then they're fooling themselves because it's only gonna get worse. Mm -hmm. This is going to get to the point where you're gridlocked now, you're not even gonna be able to get out of your house because they're gonna have every side road clogged. And you know, the replacement bridge is the ticket. There's no doubt. Right. But then we have to look down 20 years, right. 40 years down the road. We should already be working on, you know, everybody wanted a southern bridge or northern bridge, whatever the case may be. We can have that argument all day long back and forth. We need to look for that. There's a lot of reasons. Evacuations. Again, we've got all these places we're building down in Ocean City. We have a hurricane come up in the middle of summer, just say. We gotta get all them people back across, right? And we're gonna have to do it on that one uh, crossing. That's ridiculous. Homeland security, take out one of those bridges. Where does that leave the entire Eastern shore? And you wanna talk about home values going down? I will argue that. Get rid of those two bridges and see how quickly the home values dry up in Queen Anne's County. No, I, because who's gonna to wanna to drive three hours to get here? You know what I mean? So I just think there's so many things going on with it. And I think some people, you know, I talk to different people and initially when you talk to them, they're like, oh, we can't, a third spam bubble. But then when you reason and tell them, look, look at all of these things, and then if you finally ask them at the end, was, what would your solution be? And, and they're not really looking at the whole big picture. And I just think that's part of the education that the state's got to do and that we should be looking at because, you know, the buck stops with us with this traffic. When, when people send emails, they send them to us and, right. and, they, and they complain. So, and, and we don't have a magic answer right now. We've tried some things. We've talked to the state. We've tried to meet her, you know, different things. But there is no magic answer as long as that capacity down there keeps increasing. You're going to have more cars heading east and, and it's just going to be a product of 
you know, the last 25, 30 years. I mean, it's, that's where we're at. It's, we're, we're starting to pay the piper. And it's, it's, and I, I'm with Jim, I'm across that thing four days out of the week because I try everything I can not to have it go across there on a Friday. But honestly, Thursdays are Fridays now. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's the same backups. It's just a different day, so. Well, I hope you didn't think that I was arguing. I was, what I was arguing for, in fact, was that I thought that, that uh, the traffic was going to increase beyond what people anticipated because the economy was revving up at a higher rate. And as for building on oceans, down at Ocean City, I agree. But long term, the reason that happened was because the economy was good. So, I mean, no, I get, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all in the same metric. But you know how we get a recession and things will slow down and it makes us all think, oh, it's not as bad as it was, right? But then when you get that ramp up side, well, meanwhile, They've increased capacity on so when you ramp up, now you're exponential to what you were before you hit that dip. You know what I mean? That's what it seems like to me, because coming out of 07, 08, like you said, 10 years ago, it wasn't like it is now. No. And we hit that dip, and now we're coming, we came back up, we had them four or five great years, and we're still kind of climbing right now, and look at it. It's, it's worse than it was three years ago now. Yeah, I know? think it's an extremely interesting phenomenon. I would not have believed that the public would sit waiting for hours exactly. to go to the beach. So, so that's what I think too. How, how, what, is, what, what does it say about life and home if, if that's an improvement? Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, I figure you know I'd leave at six in the morning. I'd leave at five in the morning. I'd leave at eleven o'clock at night. Not anything. To but avoid you know, that. in terms, but so, you got to so, think about that. They're so, going on vacation. But, but they're going on vacation. We're trying to get home. So they're going on vacation. And I remember again, been going there since I was five. Uh, it used to take four hours from Arnold to get to Ocean City because you had Kenton Air's Bridge was always popping up on you and uh, Chop Tank oh, River Bridge and then the Vienna Bridge and then you get in and before the 90 bridge was finished you had the only Route 50 bridge yeah. in and it was, you know, oh, yeah. so it was a four hour drive back then. So I think, let's face it, a lot of people are like, I'm off for a week. I just spent $4,000 for a condo. If, if it takes me four hours or 20 hours, I'm going. So. But that doesn't help the people that live here because right. we're just trying to drive an hour and get home, you know, so. No, but I mean, it does raise the point of how, how does the public tolerate backup? And the answer is they seem to. I mean, it's remarkable that they do, but it also says something probably about the state of mind of computers. Commuters, computers. <laughs> yeah, the commuters, yeah. I think the commuters tend to be a little bit more aggressive on the road oh, than the yeah. vacation people, trust me. The people that are just trying, they can see their house, but they right. get to the bridge, they're like, it's right there. I can't get there. <laughs> so close, yeah. but yet so far. So, that it, Jack? Yeah, I'm done, yeah. Okay, that's, that's... so um, real quick, I think, you know, we, we, we joked. Before... Don't forget the Ken Island boys, lacrosse team. Yeah. Made it to the championship game. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, we'll go since Jim brought that up. So, uh, actually, we had Robert Woolley here this evening, who was the coach of the men's Ken Island High School lacrosse team. Uh, and they actually played uh, last Saturday um, for the state championship. And the final score, I believe, was five to four. four. Yeah. Wow. And they lost um, in the minute. last 90 seconds of yeah. the game on a shot on the goal. So, um, kudos to them. Um, uh, we were we were joking earlier about um, Jim and what he talks about at Roundtable, um, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say thank you for the updates that you do give us biweekly. Um, you know, we tease and jest, but the, the commitment that you've made and, and Commissioner Stevie Wilson as well, it, to keep our citizens up to date on, on what's happening with the bridge as far as 
you know, repairs and work that's being done. That information is important. And for the folks that, that are watching our meetings um, and, and myself, thank you very much, Jim, for doing that, making that commitment. Um, and, and last, I'll say um, on the tale of this evening's public hearings, um, I think it's important that people um, understand that that when we hold a public hearing open for two weeks, it's an opportunity for you to reach out to your commissioners, who you elected to represent you, and share uh, with us in any media format that you choose that, that works for you, what your feelings are on, on the different uh, ordinances that, that come across our desk and, and ultimately have us make a decision on. Uh, tonight we had 13 people come and comment on the height ordinance. Um, and of those 13 people that came in and testified, there was only two that were opposed to it. So I, I can't imagine there isn't more people that may be in favor of it or opposed to it, but we wouldn't know. So please take this opportunity when these public hearings are held out for two weeks and, um, and reach out to your commissioners in some fashion and let us know where you are and how you feel on these things. And with that, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. So move. Second.